You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, it's the Hidden Yardage Podcast. Saul Moran and David Howman with you. And this will not be the... 12 win Mike McCarthy team that reaches at least an NFC championship game. The Cowboys season is over. Packers 48, Cowboys 32 from AT&T Stadium. Their first home loss in 16 attempts going all the way back to when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came to town last season in a win for the Bucs that the Cowboys would, of course, avenge in much bigger, meaningful fashion in the postseason. No such postseason success for the Cowboys this time around against McCarthy's former team as the Packers come in here and really played like the team that Dallas had been all year at home. I think maybe that's the number one most frustrating thing in a long list of what makes this game frustrating. So we'll get into it, David, but not what any of us expected. I don't want to say the general consensus around this week was that the Cowboys and their fans underestimated the Packers. I I do think the prep leading up to this game from us at Blogging the Boys and everybody all around was pretty spot on in terms of finding what the Packers' path to victory could be in this game. And it actually turned out to be the case. It was Aaron Jones. But we didn't expect another free touchdown performance, perhaps, against the Cowboys for Aaron Jones. We fought, like all season long, which has been the case, that the Cowboys' best run defense could be their own offense, which it has been for most of the year. What I mean by that is, of course, you know, putting up points, hitting those big shot plays, and not only CDLM, but Brandon Cooks, who's been better on home turf than he has on the road. Hit those shot plays against the Packers secondary that certainly gives you more times than not that opportunity. He had a 32 points at the end of the day. Look, you know, decent up there, but nobody around Dallas will be feeling decent about this result. As we all know, a lot of those points came with the Packers well in control, never got taken out of their run game. And when they did, or if they had to throw it, Jordan Love was certainly effective along the way. He gets a playoff win in his first year as a starter. Matt LaFour and another, you know, West Coast style coach gets to move on. And Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys are left looking for answers for the third year in a row. Sure, there's a lot of good we can say about the McCarthy tenure, but this certainly feels like the first very real crossroads that we've hit in terms of, is this the ceiling? Why can't this team perform more in the playoffs? Why do they fall so far behind? Is Dak Prescott, what goes wrong for this offense with him? calling the shots in the postseason. So we're going to try to get into some of that for you. And of course, this is going to be the topic of discussion all week long for you across this network. So for Monday, we figured we'd just kind of kick back and give you our initial thoughts on what we saw just unfold in our visceral reaction 24 hours later to the Cowboys being bounced on wildcard weekend. So David, uh, how you feeling right now? <laughs> well, I'm not feeling too good after watching that game. Um, I, I don't think any any Cowboys fan would feel good. Um, like you said, it wasn't necessarily that we didn't, you know, didn't take the Packers seriously, but just 
I mean, when you when you've watched this team throughout the year, they were not a very good team. They they have the youngest roster in the NFL, a, a quarterback in Jordan Love, who this is his first year uh, as the full time starter. And there were, you know, defensively, there were plenty of different games where you could see just huge flaws in the way that the scheme operates, the way that the players perform within the scheme. And I mean, this is a team that, you know, middle of November, they were three and six, looked like they were probably going to finish with a losing record. They were going to, you know, miss the playoffs by a wide margin. And then, you know, looking at their schedule, like they they had a very narrow three-point win over the Chargers, which of course we all know you know, how that Chargers team turned out. And then on Thanksgiving, they get that kind of surprise win over the Lions, win the next week against the Chiefs, and there was, you know, a lot of controversy in that game about a, you know, what would look like a blatant pass interference that, that wasn't called that, you know, could have potentially gotten the Chiefs back into to win that game. And then they won their last three games of the year, but it was against the Panthers, the Vikings, with I think Nick Mullins was starting that game, and then the Chicago Bears, who despite a kind of a late season turnaround, we're still, you know, a pretty bad team throughout the year. So going into the playoffs and looking at this Packers team, there was plenty of reason to think the Cowboys should roll this team. I mean, they were favored by a touchdown. Um, and, you know, just that's just based off of what we saw from the Packers. But then, of course, the Cowboys, you know, 12 wins for the third straight year, winning their division, you know, going undefeated at home, 16 straight wins at home. Um, how good they are in AT&T Stadium, also how they matched up against this defense, like their strengths, you know, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Jake Ferguson, those all played into the weaknesses of the Packers defense. So, you know, I think even the the most like scarred Cowboys fans who felt that this could be a close game, that the, the Packers could be a problem for them, I don't think any of them saw Jordan Love dominating the way that he did or saw the Packers defense giving the Cowboys fits like they did in the first quarter and for most of the second quarter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a complete and total shock to, to see, not necessarily that they lost, but just the way that they lost and the way that they were pretty much manhandled from the very beginning. Because we've seen that twice throughout this season, first against the 49ers, and even though that was incredibly depressing to watch because of the history with the 49ers, you could at least sit back and say, well, you know, it's arguably the best team in the NFL. And then against the Bills, which was also frustrating, but the Bills are a very good team. Everyone knows what Josh Allen is capable of when he's playing at that level. The defense has a lot of talent. And so you can say, oh, well, you know, it was on the road in December, you know, all of those things to, to kind of qualify that one. But this is a Packers team that was nine and eight. They, you know, like I said, youngest roster in the NFL, a lot of inexperience, a lot of weaknesses, and for them to do to the Cowboys in AT&T Stadium what the 49ers did in San Francisco, what the Bills did in Buffalo, um, I just I don't see how you can really take anything positive from this game, even though obviously there were a couple of things here and there. The offense kind of rebounded. Jake Ferguson had himself a game. Um, but like, none, it feels like all of that is just kind of empty calories because – the way that this game unfolded from the very from start to finish is just it's just bad (laughs) (laughs) well you started to get towards you know one of the things another reason like i mentioned off the top that why this you know felt wrong and you know it's because the packers just absolutely not only drove home the path to victory that we did see for them they pulled some 
things that were surprising along the way as well, because when you're running the ball as effectively as they did, of course, that opened up the pass game for Jordan Love to have that career day. And that's why it adds to the kind of drama that we're going to see in the weeks to come as this offseason, you know, is abruptly upon us. And yet there'll be other games to watch and distract us from as we're recording right now. We have a, of course, a shootout between the Lions and the Rams unfolding and there's some West Coast influence in, you know, both of those offenses. And but most notably, of course, there's an influence in how Jordan Love and the Packers came to town and played on the offensive side of the ball, and they get a playoff win again under Matt LaFleur. They're seemingly, you know, winning at the at the rate in the playoffs in an even better rate than Mike McCarthy did, and LaFleur was his predecessor there in Green Bay. He gets it done of Jordan Love, who was perfect in his game when targeting Romeo Dalbs, Luke Musgrave, or Dontavian Wicks. I mean, without Kristen Watson, who we know had that huge game, uh, against the Cowboys formally and previously, three touchdowns on four catches at Lambeau Field. He did play in this game and caught one pass for nine yards. So, you know, good job taking away a player that may or may not sort of been in there. But beyond that, Dalbs, Musgrave, and Wicks are who you need to take away. And Love, again, perfect when targeting them. Only missed on five passes the whole game, complete 76.2 of them, 272 yards. Found this interesting three touchdowns in this game, actually the sixth time. This season, he's thrown for three touchdowns. So, you know, you want to talk about a team that's up and coming. We were having those discussions. What feels like quickly feels like forever ago when in reality it really was like last week. But we were having those discussions about, you know, the Cowboys being a team on the rise under Mike McCarthy and how quickly we have to sift that discussion to all these other teams that seemingly um, have a step on them. Maybe not record-wise, as you already noted, the Packers, you know, came into this game only winning nine games and three of them had to be done consecutively in December to even make it to this wild card round. But one way or another, teams just get the edge, get the edge against this Mike McCarthy Cowboys team when the games matter the most. It's the most points allowed at home by the Cowboys since 2020 against the Browns, which is McCarthy's first year. And that was the much-to-be-forgotten Mike Nolan uh, defense that brought us Dan Quinn the next year, and things certainly got better. But now, do you feel like the elastic has snapped on you know, Dan Quinn's defense being effective here in Dallas. The answer might be put in front of us and not too long as, you know, his head coaching watch is in full effect right now. The Seattle job certainly hanging over his head. He's spoken well on these coaching jobs over his head once the playoffs begin, not, you know, being a distraction, even though he's interviewed every offseason and decided to return to Dallas. Maybe the appeal of going back to Seattle broke that and there was just too much, you know, going on for Quinn thinking about the opportunity that could be in front of him there with the Seahawks to uh, have his team ready for this game, but other reasons beyond just the play calling as far as scheme and things that make you think that the defense is finally kind of regressing to the mean, which happens usually much sooner in the NFL. I think you can, you know, two-sided coin here. You can thank Quinn that the defense has been sustainable for all three years. He's been with Mike McCarthy, but now it feels like that partnership, um, if this is the last of it, for either way, whether it's you know McCarthy's last game, which again I personally doubt, but that discussion has to be had. If it's McCarthy's last game, that's extreme, and you know we'll get into that. And the offense still did some effective things, even though Prescott had to drop back 60 times in this game. Much more likely and realistic that it's Quinn's last game, and he goes out with the most points allowed under his tenure, 48 to the Packers, most in a home game for the Cowboys again since 2020, and most in the Quinn era since another game this season. So that's why I say, you know, is it time for this marriage to end, even if Quinn doesn't want to take one of these head coaching jobs? 
because the previous high was 42, and that was, of course, the infamous now 42-10 to 10 loss against the 49ers, a team that the Cowboys were hopeful to avoid into the NFC Championship. The only problem with that is you have to make it to the NFC Championship game, and the Cowboys don't even hold up any end of that bargain as they get bounced here in the first round by giving up 48 at home. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with all the different things of like how just how bad this was for for Dan Quinn and for the for the Cowboys defense. Um, personally, I'm I'm ready for a change on defense. Uh, Dan Quinn has been, you know, had tremendous success since he came to Dallas. He deserves all the accolades. He deserves to be, you know, getting another shot at being a head coach. He was, you know, actually a really good head coach when he was in Atlanta with the Falcons, and he was able to turn them around and. Um, of course, things didn't work out in the long run, but um, part of that was, you know, so, some of that had to do with the actual roster building in Atlanta, um, which Quinn had a, a good amount of say in. Um, but maybe that's something where, you know, in his next job, he kind of, you know, he learns a little bit better as far as how he wants to approach the team, how he wants to run the team. But this is a great, great coach, great person, great leader by all accounts. Um, and, and the turnaround that he was able to oversee in Dallas uh, you know, from, from how things were, you know, when Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator um, to what things became just a year later, you know, with Dan Quinn, he came in with a more clear vision. Um, obviously he got a, you know, got a little bit lucky with a player like Micah Parsons, the way that Trayvon Diggs kind of, you know, took a step forward, um, you know, but, but the work that Dan Quinn has done cannot go overlooked or understated, but at the same time, We've seen this problem happen several times throughout this season where, you know, the, the philosophy of the defense is aggression and primarily in affecting the pass. They, you know, they don't necessarily blitz a whole lot. They're about a little bit above the league average for blitz rate. Um, but they, when they're not blitzing, generally they're running some kind of, you know, simulated pressure look where it kind of looks like they're blitzing and like, they may only ru- actually rush four, but you know the four that they rush, you, it's it makes it hard on the offensive line to know which four to go after, and that you know it, it's designed to affect the quarterback, make him get through his reads quicker, force you know bad throws, and then they have all these ball hawking players like Trayvon Diggs, you know when he was healthy, Deron Bland, how he's blossomed into one uh, these last two years. Stephon Gilmore has had certainly had his fair share of of interceptions in in the past, just like Jordan Lewis. So it's all designed around being aggressive in the past game, but this has also coincided with um, the, the proliferation of the Shanahan style of offense, which obviously Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco. uh, Matt LaFleur runs in green Bay. Um, It seems like, you know, at least half the league is running this kind of offense, which really puts a premium on running the ball and building their pass game off of running the ball. And so in a way, and it is kind of ironic, the fact that Kyle Shanahan got his head coaching job from being the offensive coordinator under Dan Quinn in Atlanta. Um, in, in a way, that offense that is now taking the league by storm is kind of the worst possible matchup for a defense that runs the way that Dan Quinn's defense does, which is, you know, if you can trick them into being, you know, playing for the run, trying to isolate the run, even when they do well against the run, you're still going to be op- be able to open things up in the pass game. And that's what we've seen several times this year, uh, one way or another. And it's just, it's it's been an issue. We saw it in Seattle where the defense just 
really couldn't stop a nosebleed. And, you know, that was a game where the Cowboys offense was ready to answer the call and they, you know, went blow for blow and were able to win the game. But then we also have seen it, you know, obviously with this Packers game um, where they, you know, maybe got off to a bit of a slow start and, and they weren't as good. And you just, you can't have games like that where it's just such an easy thing to be able to attack this defense. And, you know, Quinn, for all of the things that he's done well, he hasn't really adjusted yet. We haven't seen him actually make those adjustments to where he's figured out how to beat these offenses now when he does face them. And it's like everything has to go right for his defense to work the way that we know it can when he's facing an offense like that. And, you know, for, for it to be year three, potentially going into year four, and you're looking at your defensive coordinator who's getting, you know, all these calls to interview for head coaching jobs and say, hey, like, we're still waiting on you to come up with answers. To me, that's kind of a, a bit of a red flag. So I appreciate everything he's done in Dallas, but I'm also ready to see a new approach. I think philosophically, a lot of the things that Dan Quinn does is good. I just would like to see a new approach of, of someone um, just kind of, kind of, kind of similar to what Mike McCarthy did with the offense last year of like, we're not completely scrapping what Kellen Moore did, but we understand there's things that could be improved upon. There's tweaks that could be made from someone kind of on the outside looking in. And I think that's what the Cowboys need on defense going into, into 2024. One of the things you and I have talked about on this show as we came down the stretch of the regular season, particularly the last two weeks when they beat the Detroit Lions at home and then went on the road to end it with a NFC East quenching win against the Washington Commanders. One of the things we noted from Quinn's defense in those two games that we thought would bode well in the playoffs and we were wrong was the defensive line and kind of that's, you know, his secret sauce, if you will, with Quinn. Yeah, there's a lot he does on the back end too, and there's a lot of complexities and nuances to, you know, defensive scheme, which you can get into, but the defensive line really is, you know, where it all starts. This team is invested up there. They're deep. They have a lot of talent in the trenches. They, of course, you know, have a long history of investing in the offensive line. And so if you want to fall back on the cliche of games are won and lost up front, the Cowboys understand that and are built to be that way. And you saw against the Lions, they went more aggressive against, you know, a Jared Goff offense that's putting up big numbers and continuing to do so in the playoffs. They went aggressive, got their pass rushers on the field, and were still able to defend the run. And that's why you know they ultimately came out on top in a wild, uh, controversial game there on a Saturday night on ESPN. And then against the Commanders, you know, more basic offense you're going to see. They're still you know working through some things. The team not in the playoffs, trying to evaluate what they have, give Sam Howell some you know easy throws within the structure of the offense, but don't give them easy yards on the ground either. So you welcome back Jonathan Hankins that game and went to your more traditional, you know, put some size on the field on the interior and let Michael Parsons just play on the edge and Demarcus Lawrence has been great and did play well here against the Packers again as well. More traditional defensive line against the commanders both got the job done. So that was one of my biggest things that you can hang your hat on going into this game was, oh, they could, they can have a plan for Aaron Jones, if you want to just pound it up the middle on them by putting that size on the field. So that was my biggest thing I was watching for early on in this game. And ultimately what ended up happening was you had Damone Clark in the hole and Marquise Bell in the hole and, you know, Donovan Wilson trying to come from 20 yards deep to fill. Once those defensive tackles really did their job, I mean, you can't ask, you know, Jonathan Hankins and Oso Diggy Zua and Neville Gallimore to consistently 
you know, set blocks and penetrate. Those guys are just eating up uh, blockers. And then someone on the second level, which has been an issue, needs to be able to finish. And so it was a lot of Damone Clark in the hole versus Aaron Jones. And to say the least, Clark did not win enough of those matchups as Jones goes for 118 yards and three touchdowns on his 21 carries, following up his last game against the Cowboys where he had four touchdowns. And that was the final year of the Jason Garrett, Rod Marinelli era. So it's a bit... Interesting to think of Aaron Jones as this potential wrecking ball that has a big game against the Cowboys and then things change the next year. That four-touchdown game wasn't a playoff game, so it wasn't as final as this. But you know, later that year, the Cowboys did not make the playoffs, and that's what led to change. This team was in the, only in the playoffs for you know, what felt like a minute because by halftime, it certainly seemed like the season uh, was on the ropes. The Cowboys do score on the final play of the first half, Jake Ferguson. But even that play, at least David, for me, Tell me your thoughts on this. Kind of gave me an uneasy feeling because the complete, you know, the triangle of why this game was frustrating. We came up, came on off the top saying that, you know, first and foremost, it's obvious giving up to 48 points. Second was, you know, getting outdone in your own game. But I think by far the weirdest thing in this game, and it started almost even with a positive play like the uh, Ferguson touchdown, was didn't it feel like Dallas played like the team that they've played as on the road this year and Green Bay looked like the team that Dallas has been at AT&T Stadium this year. I mean, Green Bay was taking shots downfield, which we expected to see plenty of in this game. The CD Lamb, who was again targeted 17 times, which is not anything new for him, but had his least productive game with that amount of targets and did not find the end zone, had a a long of 47 in this game. Michael Gallup in relatively garbage time makes a 42-yard play. Those are the two longest of the game for Dallas. So it didn't feel like they played, you know, that tight style on the road that somehow they've fallen into. And it was just McCarthy kind of falling into that cell and, you know, wanting to really control every little thing and worrying more about who was getting the ball as opposed to just who was going to be open. And even when they did try to force feed it to Lamb, it was off and you had the interceptions and the pick six. And this looked like a Cowboys road game. Um, just based on what we saw this year and the Packers played like a team that, Nobody expected to see. They played like the team we thought we were going to see from Dallas here to move on, but instead their season ends to a you know aggressive, young, up-and-coming Green Bay team that really did everything right. I guess when you are running the ball well, it's easier to do every, easier to do everything right on offense, but even when the Cowboys blitz, they seem to have the answer and a love could throw off his back foot and find a man. When they were in zone, it was easy to target them over the middle in man coverage. The pocket was clean enough to pick on guys like Jaron Coase and Jordan Oris, who They've been playing above his, you know, play level for a couple of weeks now, and that bubble snapped at the wrong time for the Cowboys secondary to really not have things figured out against Jordan Love. But yeah, this felt like the Cowboys were the road team in this one, just based on how we know they played on the road this season. And now ultimately McCarthy will have to answer to that. He'll have to answer to overall how this team performs and prepares on the road and how they perform and and prepare in the postseason because he's still searching for a, you know, trip to the NFC Championship game and uh, some postseason success that he can really prove uh, some longevity here with the Cowboys. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it to your point, like it felt like the Packers were the home team and they had all, they were playing with all the confidence and the Cowboys kind of came out. And I was really surprised on those first couple of drives, how McCarthy was fairly run heavy in his approach. He's been, you know, the Cowboys have been one of the most pass happy offenses in the NFL this year. They're, uh, you know, one of the teams with the highest early down pass rate, you know, for the season. And, um, you know, McCarthy, that's kind of McCarthy's MO. I know he he's, you know, had the sound bites in the past about running the ball. And there's this like misnomer that he's, you know, this ground and pound guy, but he's always been a pass happy guy. He likes to get his quarterback in a rhythm, throwing the ball early, but for whatever reason in this game, I I don't know if it's, um, if it's just because of the way that the Packers play that too deep safety shell. And they just thought that they had an advantage numbers wise in the box, which to be fair, when they ran the ball for the most part, like they were running well, Tony Pollard looked good. Rico Daddle had some good runs, but it, it just, it, it felt very disjointed. It felt like they went away from what's worked all year long. And um, you notice when the offense really did start picking things up and when they did start scoring, it was when they started doing what they've been doing, which is throwing on early downs, putting the ball in Dak's hand and letting him go to work. Um, so that, that was a little bit weird, but you know, it wasn't even just a McCarthy play calling thing. Like the players just weren't playing well, you know, on, on the, the Cowboys first offensive drive, they had that third down pass where CD just dropped it. I mean, it was, it was a little bit of a reach for him, but it was in his hands. He, he should have caught it. The guy that CD lamb is should have caught that. And he just dropped it. You know, uh, he had to drop a little bit later on too, that, um, you know, just uncharacteristic for CD uh, on their second drive, the very first play, and you know they're backed up inside their own ten. Dak took a shot down the sideline to Brandon Cooks, and it fell incomplete. But it, it looked like Cooks just never located the ball. He had position on his man. Um, if he was able to find where the ball was up there, like he probably catches that. You know, gets you know about a 30, 40 yard gain if if he doesn't get any yards after the catch. Um, you know, just, just weird little plays like that where, you know, CD wasn't playing like he normally does. Cooks wasn't doing the things that he as a savvy veteran does. Um, you know, and, and, 
I, I don't want to absolve, absolve Dak either because, you know, he, he had a couple of bad plays. He took a really bad sack. He was a little, got a little jumpy in the pocket early on, but um, just all over the all over the place, this, this offense, they play so confident when they're in ho- at home in AT&T stadium. We've seen that consistently all year. Um, it, it was just very weird to see them, you know, McCarthy as the play caller, you know, felt like he was calling it on, you know, way on the road. The offense felt like they were playing on the road, um, you know, and then you combine that with a defense that just is not fundamentally built to play well when they don't have a lead because, you know, like we've talked about before, their their weakness is their run defense. That's kind of by design. But when, as we saw in Buffalo, when you're playing from behind, the offense is, the opposing offense is going to be happy to just run the ball down your throat over and over and over. And the Packers are well built to do that with Aaron Jones and the way that this run scheme operates. So it, it was just, uh, it was just so bizarre the way that they came out and just didn't have any confidence, even though they were in the place that they've won so many games, both this year and last year. So um, just, it it was just very, very odd. Uh, One interesting nugget that I'll just throw out there um, that I noticed as a fun, not fun fact, especially the way that things (laughs) turned out. But when I was writing my weekly referee report article, um, of course, for this game, they drew the the head ref crew of Ron Torbert. And one thing I noticed when looking at previous Cowboys games that Torbert had called, uh, of course, he called a Cowboys home game against the Packers back in 2019. Um, and the Cowboys lost that one. And uh, so I was like, well, one, that's that's not fun. <laughs> that's not a fun fact, but it is something that jumped out. And Nothing also- is fun today, so... <laughs> The, the last time that he called a Cowboys game, Ron Torbert called a Cowboys game, was actually uh, week one of 2022, which was the last time the Cowboys lost in AT&T Stadium. So those two things combined, I saw that and I was like, man, if I was superstitious, I would be convinced that they were losing this game. And I told myself at the time, well, well, that, that's that's just that's got to be just a coincidence. Um, but here we are. And and they lost to the Packers at home. They lost their first home game since since the last time Torbert called the game. So, uh, and I, I'm not saying like obviously the way that the Cowboys lost this game, that's not something you can even try to say. Well, the refs cost us the game or anything like that. That's not, not, at not all what I'm bit. saying. I just thought it was an interesting thing that jumped out to me at the time, and then now seeing the way the things just completely fell apart. Um, what was uh, just a, a a very not fun fact. Dak Prescott's fourth career home playoff game. And besides the one win that he has in that stretch, which was against the Seahawks in 2018, a kind of low scoring, his first playoff win, defining moment as they beat the Seahawks 24 to 22 before going on to lose, of course. Jason Garrett's last game with the team, a 30 to 22 loss to the Los Angeles Rams um, in that divisional round. And every other home playoff loss for Dak Prescott has kind of followed a Similar script, certainly Sunday was the epitome of this as far as falling way behind and having to throw from such a position of disadvantage. Me and you were on the round table this week leading up to this game trying to talk about all the narratives going in. We all, it was, wasn't just me and you, it was a full host of BTB staffers who all, of course, felt confident in this Cowboys matchup against Green Bay and where Dak Prescott falls and reasons you should be confident was something we discussed and 
had varying opinions on, but nonetheless, his home win streak and just, you know, the way he was playing coming into this game was, of course, the reason to think he, come, he could come out on top against Jordan Love, who instead, Love has his defining moment here in Arlington and gets to move on to the NFC Divisional for an up-and-coming Packers team. But like I said, every other Prescott home playoff win or game except that Seahawks one really followed a frustrating script where the Cowboys fall way behind. We remember the wild card loss to the 49ers where at one point the largest lead for the Niners was 23-7 to in the third quarter and the Cowboys have to come rallying back, trying to throw against you know softer defenses to make the score look more respectable and then the infamous side down with no time to um, rob you of being able to throw a pass to the end zone to potentially uh, win that game. 27 or nothing in the first half of this game against the Packers, which is what forced Prescott to throw a career-high 60 times in this game. And then in that previous loss to the Packers as well, which is, of course, going all the way back to Dak's rookie year. And also under Jason Garrett, Green Bay allowed 21 to 3 in the first half of that game. So just for whatever reason, we've seen this script play out. And there's varying reasons for that, because it's not just Quinn. You know, he wasn't the coordinator for all of those losses and different things going on. But for whatever reason, we've just seen Prescott be forced into this position. And I know you can't make excuses for the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, but, you know, where are your thoughts on a question that's going to be prevalent this week, whether it's fair or not, means nothing. It's going to be asked. It's going to be screamed from the mountaintops. It's going to be on Dallas radio. It's going to be on first take. It's going to be everywhere you can possibly look as a Cowboys fan. Where are your thoughts on, you know, is it time to whatever this phrase looks like for you? Because, you know, there can be nuance to what it means, but it's going to be thrown around as if it's just this one thing. Is it time to blow this thing up? You know, that's going to be a, a prevalent point. And I ask that because, you know, we just saw a quarterback like Jordan Love in his first year as a starter with a head coach who's already won playoff games, play a similar type of offense to what Mike McCarthy wants to call for the Cowboys and get a huge result, put up 48 points and win the game and move on. You know, has this team missed the boat? And we all praised the Cowboys, you know, when they hired McCarthy a bit for getting more innovative on offense. And then it took a bit for him to prove it because this was his first year as the play caller. And we, of course, praised the fact that we got career seasons out of Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. On the surface, that should be more than enough to get McCarthy more time moving forward. But the fact he has just one playoff win in a wild card round, you know, goes directly against that. So have they taken one step forward, but the wrong, but just not a big enough step, David, when it comes to, you know, staying ahead of these trends? Because now the rest of these playoffs are going to be played without them and coaches like McVay and LaFleur and even Dan Campbell are playing on with offenses that do similar things to the Cowboys. It's great to say good things about the Cowboys' offense, but there's a lot of offenses still playing that can do the same thing and perhaps more consistently. The Cowboys are left at home once again with Dak Prescott on the losing end of a game where they fall behind, and it's just something they've seen before. And if they're tired of it, and by they, I mean, of course, the front office and Jerry Jones, who called this one of the more frustrating losses of his entire Cowboys ownership, we can't read too much into immediate uh, post-game thoughts from Jerry, but certainly as those develop, we'll have that covered for you at Blogging the Boys. But time to look in the mirror for the Dak Prescott-Mike McCarthy era. Have we already seen the best of what it's going to be? And is the unfortunate best, you know, this very game that we saw on Sunday, a wild card exit where you score 32 points, but it wasn't nearly enough. It's just still lose by two scores. I, I'm firmly in the camp of it's not time to blow it up, that this is not, you know, the best that it's going to get. Um, I mean, 
you know, all season long with with Dak specifically, like we've been talking about how great he's playing, how great he's he has played. And, you know, even in this game, like I'm not going to sit here and say that it was the best game of his career or even like top five. But I mean, they scored a lot of points like Dak kept them in or didn't necessarily keep him in the game. But like, you know, between the offense and the defense, like which which one is the one who came back and kept fighting? Like the defense never showed any fight. The offense was the one who woke up right before the half and was able to score. They were able to score out of it. They were able to keep on scoring. And even though, you know, it never really actually got them back in the game, like, you know, the, the Dak Prescott was the one who who kept on fighting. He's the one who's a leader in this locker room. And, and he's the one who, you know, this game, you know, regardless of, of the actual performance of this game, like, He's, you know, still you know, got one of the best MVP odds. He's not the front runner, of course, but he's someone who's going to be getting votes. He's going to be in the mix for that award and, and deservedly so. And that's all coming in his first year with Mike McCarthy calling the plays. So as far as like thinking about blowing it up, I'm like, we're just getting started, really. Uh, you know, McCarthy throughout his tenure in Green Bay, like it, it wasn't necessarily he he wasn't a coach that's like known kind of like how Dan Campbell is like the culture builder and, and the tone setter of that locker room. Cause he doesn't call plays like he, you know, he hasn't called plays before in his career. Um, and, and he's, he's kind of like the, he manages the locker room. That's his kind of style of coaching. Um, that wasn't really what McCarthy's style was in green Bay. Like he was there because he was an offensive genius. He was an offensive play caller and he did a really good job in green Bay you know, transferred from from the Brett Favre era to the Aaron Rodgers era and was able to win a lot of games. And, and now this is his first year calling plays in Dallas. And guess what? Dak Prescott had one of the best years of his career. And, you know, Dak has even said, like, this is the most comfortable I've ever felt, you know, in an offense. I, I don't think that that is something that should be taken lightly. Um, after the game, he was asked about it. And he said, you know, I don't know how there can be questions about McCarthy's status he said, I understand the business, but in that case, there should be questions about me as well. Uh, he said, I've had the season I've had because of him. This team has had the success that they've had because of him. So, you know, the, the, there's there's confidence from the players. There's confidence from their best player in the coach. Um, you know, and, and when you think back and look at the Cowboys' failures throughout this season, you know, obviously the 49ers loss was one where, just absolutely nothing went right. Offense, defense, special teams, um, you know, but but you can kind of, the Cowboys are not the only team to have been beaten like that by the 49ers this year. So you can kind of write that off just a little bit. Um, but, you know, even even in some of the games that they've lost, it's, you know, the defense has been beat early on. And, you know, in the Dolphins game just a few weeks ago, Dak Prescott went down and threw a, a go-ahead touchdown. The defense gave up the game winner. They couldn't get a stop. Uh, you know, even in this game against the Packers, um, there, there's a there's a advanced analytics stat called uh, series conversion rate, which measures um, the rate of a given down series that results in either a first down or a touchdown. And against the Packers, the Cowboys offense had an 84.1% series conversion rate, which is really, really good. For context, the Packers were at 88%. So not a whole lot of daylight between these two offenses in terms of how well they were moving the chains, how well they were actually scoring. 
And you, you just look at that discrepancy between the two of like, these were two offenses that were just going out there and, and they were just moving the ball and they were producing. And to sit there and say, well, the Cowboys got absolutely blown out. Like to me, that's not the offense. Uh, obviously they weren't perfect and they started out slow, but the offense was what even made it slightly close in the end. And that's Mike McCarthy. That's Dak Prescott. That's the way that, you know, all of these different things have worked together. And, um, you know, we already talked about Dan Quinn and this defense and, and the disappointment that they had in this game. Um, but I just don't see how you can say, you know, a coach who's had three straight 12 win seasons, which hasn't happened for the Cowboys since the nineties when they were winning Super Bowls to look at that and say, not only have you had all this unprecedented success and consistency, but also in your first year calling the plays, the offense made a sizable jump from where it was last year, our star quarterback that the Jones family is very much on record as loving and fully supporting, had the best year of his career. I don't see how you look at all of that and say, all right, you know, that we've had enough of that. Especially when you look around even just the NFC East and their division, you know, the the changes that the Giants have had, and it wasn't that long ago, the Giants were winning Super Bowls under Tom Coughlin, and now they're they're just a mess, and it's like they they win every now and then, and then they fall apart. Or the Commanders, where they've had all, all these different coaches, all these different quarterbacks, and they have nothing to show for it. So I think uh, I think Jerry and Stephen Jones understand the importance of continuity when things are going well, and they also understand how hard it can be to win in the playoffs. And we've seen this not just with the Cowboys, but everywhere is, you know, there, there's only one one team that finishes the season with a win. It's very hard to get to that point. And I don't think that it's time to blow up the Cowboys just because they've had some really good seasons, but haven't been able to do the thing that only one team gets to do each year. I think they just need to, you know, keep the general core nucleus of this team. And there's some areas to improve upon maybe with a different approach on defense. But I think this is really, as far as McCarthy and Dak, I think this is just the beginning for them. And if the Cowboys do want to be that team that can win the last game of the season with McCarthy, of course, he will continue as the offensive play caller should he stay in place as the head coach. So the question now is, and maybe this seems obvious, but since we're coming off of a playoff loss that was stunning and surprising and by the way, because of that, you know, surprise, that's, I am with you and opinion wise on if this head coach and quarterback marriage should continue. It's just hard to, you know, dive fully into the reasons for that as we are still so fresh off of this loss. But if it does continue, I expect it to. I would want it to. What now off of this loss, you know, to be reactionary for a second, can you say the Cowboys offense truly does well? You know, this is year three for McCarthy and it was the third year in a row. Um, Tony Pollard's yards per carry has dipped. He wasn't completely ineffective. Even this game for him to end the season was, you know, a bit of a high note with the 15 attempts for 56 yards and a touchdown. But what does this offense really hang their hat on going into what would be year two of Mike McCarthy as a play caller? You know, we can we don't have to go all the way back to talk about the, the, the dynamics of how him and Kellen Moore, you know, got along and worked together as far as how much influence McCarthy had on being able to change what Moore was doing and calling and scheming. But what did they do well so that they can prepare for, you know, think about all the Dan Quinn specific type guys that they brought in on defense once Quinn got here. And that could come back to bite them. If certainly Quinn moves on and, you know, the next coordinator is looking at this, like, what do you mean? I don't have any linebackers. I just have 
safeties. So we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. But the offense has more parts in place as far as franchise cornerstone guys. You know, quarterback's the most important position on the field. They have that. Not only that, but C.D. Lamb, Jake Ferguson, the offensive line is mostly here. So with all that in place and McCarthy hopefully looking ahead to a year or two as play caller, what does this offense actually do well? We know now with the season-long perspective before the bye, they were kind of rigid and just out of sync and weren't getting it done. And after the bye, much different story, dynamic, forced the ball to see the IM, big plays down the field, balanced, and Prescott shot himself way up the rankings in MVP voting and put together his best season still overall as a Cowboy. So what do they do well going forward that they can know that they do well well enough so they can draft that way, continue to build that way. And, you know, if there is a next step for this offense and this isn't the end and the plateau for how well the McCarthy Prescott era can go, what is the improvement based on what they can do well and take well from this game? Well, I think uh, in thinking about the way that we saw this McCarthy offense this year, um, really it's, it's the thing that they do best is empowering their quarterback, Dak Prescott. And, um, you know, McCarthy has been very clear about that since he took over play calling is that it's about putting the offense into his hands. And, you know, you see that in how quickly he gets the play calls in and, and how Dak gets to the line of scrimmage with plenty of time to kind of diagnose the defense and then make adjustments as necessary, whether it's to the blocking scheme, whether it's moving someone around or or maybe even killing a play entirely and going to another play. Um, so it's really just about for him, it's it's about calling plays to Dak Prescott's strengths. And and obviously it helps when you have a guy like CeeDee Lamb. And, and aside from this game against the Packers, those two have just such great chemistry and, and we've seen it all year. And CeeDee Lamb certainly had the best year of his career. Um, so that that's a huge part. And then I think, you know, if you're talking about different ways to kind of flesh out this offense a bit more, um, obviously Jake Ferguson and the, the year that he had gives you confidence in him as kind of that, that – Second option, you know, being able to to work both as a guy that has a good amount of ability after the catch, but also his ability to threaten down the seam is is once they kind of got in that rhythm, that really opened up another level of this offense. Um, and, and then you know, Brandon Cooks as as the veteran, and you know, some of the stuff that he brings once they got him into a bit of a rhythm that also helped things take another level. But I think uh, you know, beyond those three what you're really looking for is just a little bit more explosiveness people that you don't necessarily need to rely on, but you know, Michael Gallup had a good game against the Packers. You know, he had another good game earlier in the year, but you didn't really see much consistency from him. And the Cowboys kind of understood they couldn't lean on him too much. And then with Jalen Tolbert, like he had a few moments here and there of being able to flash making, you know, making some good plays here and there, but also not enough to where he really ever really replaced Michael Gallup in this offense. So then you're kind of looking, okay, well, you know, we they know that they can feature Kevontae Turpin, but, you know, even at his best, Kevontae Turpin, while he proved he can play receiver, he's not a guy you want to be like the number three receiver and, and be playing number three receiver type of reps. Uh, I think that's an area where they're, they they could really look for potentially someone to bring in, whether it's through the draft or, or free agency, or potentially just seeing what they have in Jalen Tolbert. Maybe Jalen Brooks takes another step forward too. Um, and then really at running back, I think some of the issues that they had with, with Tony Pollard throughout the year, some of it was just him kind of getting back into shape. Some of it was also, uh, just the, the, the run game just wasn't really blocked up really well early on. And that's something we saw is as the Cowboys became 
more, I think, uh, developed in their past game to where teams were coming into their game against the Cowboys knowing they're going to air it out and there's really not much we can do to stop it. That's when you started seeing the run game take off a little bit better because the pass game really helped open things up for the run game. So I think really the approach for this offense, if if they're keeping McCarthy and Dak, which I think is the right move, um, it has to be built on how to take this passing game to the next level, whether that's uh, you know maybe exploring some changes on the offensive line. Tyler Biotish has has his contract coming up. I believe Terrence Steele does too. Um, but also really just getting a few more weapons at the receiver position, uh, at the running back position, because Tony Pollard's contract is also up after playing on the franchise tag. So there's some decisions to be made there. But um, really this this all starts and ends with Dak Prescott. And I, and I think he's very much shown that he can be that quarterback to where it's all built around him. But um, giving him just you know one or two extra weapons beyond what he has already in CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson and Brandon Cooks, I think is really where you're going to find the the ability to take that next step. Speaking of expiring contracts for the Cowboys, that's a good place to end is, of course, you'll hear a lot about these names and draft names to come. And none of us necessarily want to be having these discussions at this point in the year. We hope to have more kickoffs coming for the Cowboys before these things had to uh, come down the pipeline. But nonetheless, we are here at this point in the offseason for the Cowboys. We can still enjoy the rest of the postseason and the Super Bowl, of course. But as for the Cowboys, what you'll be able to read from both David and I and the rest of our staff on the front page of bloggingtheboys.com, it's a offseason outlook to come. So to give you a quick rundown of the free agent names to expect to hear much more about for the Cowboys, David mentioned a few of them, but in full, it's Tyron Smith, Tony Pollard, Stephon Gilmore, Doran Armstrong, J. Ron Kirsch, Jordan Lewis, Dante Fowler, Noah Iganobe, Jonathan Hankins, Trent Seeds, Chuma Adoga, Neville Gallimore, running back Rico Dowdle, and Tyler Biata. So an interesting list of names. Of course, we'll talk more about that here on the Hidden Yardage Podcast as well. We thank you all season long for listening. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here through the offseason and the draft, but to get to be a Monday post-reaction uh, show for uh, however many weeks as we get to each year, you know, the 18 games guaranteed and then uh, 17 games guaranteed and then hopefully more than one postseason game, but not to be the case this year. I can speak for Mark Lane here again as well and say that we sure do appreciate what that means to be, you know, the first thing, one of the first things you get to hear on Monday after whether the Cowboys win and we're celebrating with Victory Mondays or, uh, you know, a therapy session after a Cowboys loss. It's fun. Uh, in season, but we'll have some off-season fun as well. David, thanks for filling in these last couple of weeks, and we will uh, talk to you again soon. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage Podcast, and there it is. Mm-hmm.